What's the worst advice you ever got your whole life? <laughs> Ooh, man, that's tough. Yeah, I think I have mostly gotten good advice. I know I have definitely have gotten some bad advice. I'm trying to think of the worst. Uh, something pops into my mind quickly about <laughs> some horrible advice my sister got. <laughs> ah. What had happened was she'd spent a day at the river. Uh, had gotten... oh, she got sagely advice from somebody <laughs> at the river. <laughs> no, this is after the fact. She got a horrible sunburn. I think my sister previously had issues where she would like swell up from retaining water. Oh, gotcha. So my mom was like, you're retaining water. But she was, in fact, sunburned and dehydrated. So, you know, taking this yeah. stuff, that, that just made her more dehydrated. Yeah, and that like... sounds like you could <laughs> die from that. Yeah, I think it started to like go into that territory if it would have been like, you know, yeah. extended. <laughs> you can, you die from just being in the sun. That's Yeah, so that was pretty bad and bad advice. Yeah, so my the worst advice I ever got was to work hard all the time. <laughs> um for sure stressed me out and cuz I didn't do any work at school, but I did work hard all the time, which means I got like real good at being a no good kid, but okay. then I started working for a living and started just working real, real hard all the time. Mm. And that's dumb. That's a terrible idea. Uh, work, match your work to your pay in real life. Um, don't spend any extra time on that shit. It was it stressed me out. But that's not why I wanted to talk about advice. Uh, you've we've been playing the last of us with uh, the last of us which has me revisiting back when i was like a super huge zombie freak okay before uh you turned to human well no before the whole <laughs> the zombie community did the same thing that the rick and morty community has done where it's like oh your fans are just awful and i want nothing to do with you because all of their fans yeah. turned into like survivalists yeah, I know what you mean. And like most of the like whole like get a bunch of guns and hide in a fucking cave and hoard water is like terrible, terrible advice <laughs> when you have um a whole community of people dealing with like an incredibly quick running uh zombie situation. I don't know why people are afraid of zombies other than the immediate danger and the whole you might have to kill your whatever. Yeah, your loved ones like, that have turned into evil Realistically, beings. good advice in zombie situations is like, you're smarter than a dog, right? That zombie's <laughs> a fucking just dangerous dog. Yeah. Do all of the things you would do to a dangerous dog. Like, so a dog doesn't just run at sounds. Right. Zombies just run at sounds and or you just, you dig a big hole and you fill the hole with something flammable. And you stand on the other side of the hole and you make a bunch of noise. And then you have a hole full of zombies with flammable shit on it. Like, you just, you, you act like a normal person would if you were dealing with something completely stupid. Yeah. They're like, that's why 
intelligent zombies only zombies i'm worried about fast zombies yeah they've got like an edge on everybody (laughs) but that just also means they can't slow down if you decide to like hook up the axle of a truck sideways to a big spinning axe and a motor okay yeah and you just put like some disco playing in the fucking middle of it and then you (laughs) after a while just have to go out there and clean up the ring of crawling zombies that are just stuck there like it's dude i I don't get it it'd be if you're sitting there in a hole you're not going to get rid of all the zombies it's an (laughs) easy tackleable problem it's literally a math issue Everybody takes their part in a day, and it's just like, yeah, I just set up one thing that's going to at least stop a zombie. Right. Like, yeah. Well, I think much like dogs, the fear is the horde, right? Like, one zombie in itself is like, All Yeah, right, but we whatever. have canyons. <laughs> True. Like, that's what no, we I have, like, a military up. that knows this, too. Like, the, <laughs> right. that's why they're going to be like, all right, we got all this shit that goes boom. And uh, we're just going to set it on one side of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's too big, though. Would that still catch their attention? But I get your point. And I I would say there's not enough You would get the horde to follow it. You kite them. Video game tactics. That's why I'm kind of like, there'd be roughly 2,000 people in the world that would get to have a real video game situation where everybody had regrouped and gathered and been like okay we can actually do this with just a few thousand people (laughs) and some decent tactics because it's i think it's max brooks does uh world war z which the book is very different than the movie and backwards from the movie as well which i found interesting Hmm. but one of the things that they do is like the math on how many zombies that they have to like sit there and shoot with a fucking bipod cannon i'm like that's not that's not how you hunt zombies man you don't you don't go and shoot every fucking one of them you would have to continue making ammunition during the apocalypse yeah you you get them in a hole you hide them in your trash can you fucking fill up your bathtubs with them little pools like zombies in a pool like if you had like a decent like five foot pool they don't know how to climb Yeah, do zombies drown? I mean, doesn't matter. They can't get out. <laughs> right. They yeah. would you throw a few fish in there. But separate question. I always wonder about what kills a zombie, right? Cuz it's pretty much just a shot to the brain in my, most well, of the zombie stuff. So, it definitely depends on how far into zombie lure you go <laughs> because uh face level zombies that are like brought back to life by magic. Mm-hmm. It don't because they're magic, but right. they do rot a little, but it's indicated that they rot slower because otherwise the other thing is everyone could do is just not go outside and wait for everyone to rot. Well, that was my next question. Can a zombie die of natural causes well, I, or it's just that their matter eventually decomposes and they're done? They go into that in a lot of zombies. Uh, so uh, Max Brooks actually... In World War Z, there's a part, because World War Z is still done by uh, a journalist going over a story. It's just, he goes over everything in a different order. Okay. And yeah. But that's of, the narrator. Well, so one of, yeah, so one <laughs> of the people he's getting, or he's questioning for the story that he's writing about everything is a woman, I think it's a woman that's working during the winter thaw 
because so they're basically like in hibernation because they've been frozen they've been frozen and every year there's a couple of people who die of natural causes in the snow and they want to make sure that they clear all of those guys out so there's not like a zombie landmine right just fucking hanging out (laughs) yeah but yeah so it's shit like that like the tropics fucking dead body rots in like fucking 12 days out there yeah, all that humidity. And if you really want to go by biologically, you'd all you'd have to do is make it too hot. And like <laughs> chemically speaking, they'd stop working. Like you would just have True. to put them in a situation that would stop a human body. <laughs> yeah. We just crank the AC and leave them outside and turn up the global warming. I mean, I don't want to turn up. That would probably actually would turn up the global warming because of a bunch of rotting bodies. Yeah. And how many people did stuff like decide to blow up a restaurant because they saw it in a movie and thought that it would take out a bunch of zombies? (laughs) Which, again, biological zombies? Sure, that'd probably work. Magic zombies, you just have a bunch of on-fire zombies. Yeah. The Last of Us zombies, though, aren't like zombies. They're, I always wonder if they taste good. Mm. After the cordyceps have gotten them. Yeah, right? dude. Because like, it's, it's probably just human meat, but with a little cordyceps flavor. No, it's a mushroom. That's what mushroom does, is it converts what it's on into mushroom. So it'd be like, are they oh, shiitakes? Oh, does it straight convert it? Yeah, when okay. you look at them, when they're just like all spread out. So when you're in a room that they're all, you have to put your gas mask on. Yeah, where they like the, growing into the wall yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that's probably about. delicious. Yeah, probably. Like, it's all does, just fungi. does cooked cortisones or whatever <laughs> taste like shiitakes or something? But like those guys can think and stuff a little bit because I think I they don't say this ever, but I'm pretty sure the mushroom is alive. Uh, it's, the, oh, you mean like, okay, yeah. Just yeah. the cordyceps, like when the... Yeah, because it fully... actively is trying to infect other right. things, and right, right. Uh, apparently it likes one-bedroom suburban homes. <laughs> it's like it's perfect living conditions. <laughs> but yeah, those zombies a little bit, a little bit more difficult to take care of. Yeah, but even those you can shoot in the head, right? Yeah, but they turn into spores. Yeah, so they're still around, although not an aggressive. Like yeah, violent. The, way worse. The kind yeah. where you're like, <laughs> a oh, passive I, violence. Yeah, well, I opened this door in a house that I didn't think had a bunch of spores in it, and they just wafted down the road and like <laughs> got an entire settlement. That's, yeah, that game's been crazy. That's a, one of the only reasons why I like it as a zombie situation is they managed to up the threat of zombies by not necessarily making them intelligent by but by giving them uh the ability to fucking climb basically because they they climb yeah that like the zombies from uh all all resident evil except for resident evil (laughs) one actual scary zombies well i'm i'm trying to think i believe the first time i saw zombies climb was in the World War Z movie when they are trying to get over that giant wall. Yeah, they that the just humans flood have built. Up. They don't technically climb in that situation. Yeah, they're kind of just piling up. Yeah. <laughs> and they do a weird momentum thing. They do their math super crazy because they're like, yeah, if a body's moving at this momentum, that's how they do the wave thing. But that's not how, again, bodies work. 
What was the wave thing? So it's basically like the whole, the way that they were explaining how the zombies were just hitting everything in waves is it's the built up momentum of all of the zombies running and they're snowballing. Oh, right, right. But you can't get that unless it becomes a meatball. Like the way that they explain that does not work unless it actually produces like a center mass. Mm. And you're like, it's it's a bunch of bodies falling off of something. Like they would have a little bit, but eventually that would try in center mass and spill into a puddle. And you would just get a zombie puddle at a wall that they are running into and get would just get wider a lot. You have plenty of time to throw some fucking Molotovs. <laughs> yeah, cook that meatball. I mean, yeah. You like your meatballs cooked? Oh, man, that just fucking reminds what me. What if you didn't? You're like, no, man. I that's, like some raw. That's a thing. I just like some raw meat, that's, and I ball it up, and I sprinkle a little salt on it. You are describing something my <laughs> fucking grandpa did once when I was making hamburgers. Nice. He just walked up behind me and grabbed the seasoned meat and threw it in his mouth. And I that's... was like, that's fucked up, man. And he was like, what? It's just like tartare. And I was like, no, it's not. Tartare is delicious. That was some random ass fucking grocery store meat you just shoved in your mouth. <laughs> Rachel was actually recently telling me a very similar story of this person she used to work with who would just bring a tube of ground beef oh, no. to work and oh, would just start God. digging into it. And oh. people were like, what is oh, wrong with you? Oh, my God. And she's like, oh, it's just my family used to do this. Well, so, I mean, it makes sense. Cooking is the weird thing. Like, (laughs) that is the thing that we are such a strange species for being that separated. We didn't used to cook stuff. That is considered like an (laughs) evolutionary marvel that we fucking do. And everyone's like, what, you eat raw food? You mean like everything else? Like, yeah, man, there's not a lot of turtle vein out there fucking cooking up lettuce. <laughs> I do wonder if there's some underwater creatures that drag, like, kelp to a fucking, uh, what, like... <laughs> to their hunt. They're like, yeah, put a little lettuce on that burger. Well, no, no, I'm talking about, like, at the lava vents at the bottom of the ocean where it's just a fucking steam vent oh, yeah, and they're yeah. like going Heat over and they're just like well you could those are several thousand degrees you get the right, right variance on that you could actually get like a nice like curl on your fucking kelp dude i was reading about earthquakes i know a little bit you could st- dude you could fucking cook a fish <laughs> underwater yeah, I it. That, that's volcanic activity is no joke man that's what's going on I think it's in three-body problem when they are talking about the amount of civilizations that would naturally occur underwater because the conditions for having intelligence are all underwater, but they wouldn't be able to evolve into like starfaring creatures because the top of the world is frozen. Because like they they're on a world with no atmosphere or whatever. Like statistically, the amount of like intelligent life that would just live under frozen ice and never know like or have the ability to develop empirical evidence of what's going on it makes a lot of sense like a perfectly contained little ecosystem that's shielding you from the rest yeah and you just (laughs) never get that piece of data you're like (laughs) up just doesn't exist it's not a thing that you have (laughs) even been able to conceive of yeah man three body problems are real good book series i understand the hype 
That sounds really cool. It's so fucking bad, though. They do this thing <laughs> where... Just the actual writing's horrible? No, no, no. They do this thing where it's, like, there's a lot of in-between in that book where life is supposed to return to normal from what's going on, and they do an excellent job of that. Okay. To where you're like, this is kind of fucking annoying. I wish they'd go back to it being like, <laughs> it's excellent writing and stuff, but it just goes back into these people, like, their daily lives. And there's, like, right. jumps in time and stuff that are really nice. But for the most part, you're like, okay, I'm just kind of fucking sick of, like, four years of this dude's life. And then <laughs> right when you're fucking tired of everything, it goes into something that you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, what what, what the fuck just happened? Everything is what? Okay, cool. And then it goes back into, all right, this is just some guy's life. <laughs> nice. Is it right as you start missing the old part? No, it's like right when you're almost done with the book. You're like oh, the red. Okay. You're like I can see that there is forty hours left in this three part book series, and it's all just going to be this guy's life, and I see no end to it. And then there's a massive shift. Yeah, and it does that solidly for three books at random times, and keeps you. Okay, uh, it's all of the. I love when a story does that. That's what I was getting at. Like, well, so usually there's like tension leading up to the next thing, and then right. there is no tension. It just there's, sudden shift. There's like some existential thought that they go into, and like they do make you feel for the character. But after a while, you're like, yes, these are just the internal thoughts of a person that's in an extreme situation. But yeah. like the world is still ticking because one of the like the whole thing I think takes place over 500 years between oh, the three okay. books. Well, I guess the third book, it's like the end of eternity, but... <laughs> 500 years over, you know, the end of eternity, I don't know. It depends on where you go on that. I mean, Ender's Game, if you go on the Ender Saga, covers, yeah, I think, going. 600 years or something like that. Yeah, Ender himself was really just the very beginning of that series. So I Ender makes it past everybody. Yeah. Yeah, because he goes into space at relativistic speeds. Right. And just, I guess he ends up jumping a lot. And then he develops instantaneous travel. Spoilers for, uh, <laughs> I want to say, Children of the Mind. <laughs> yeah, I've only read the first two of Ender's Game. Ender's Game, uh, if you go Ender's, I think is only four books. Because it's Ender's Game, uh, I guess, because they keep adding things. So like Ender in Exile is a thing. I know the titles are really cool. I remember that. Yeah. Like, I think even the second book, I was like, oh, damn, that's the second Ender's Game. So Ender's Game, it's like uh, Ender's Game, Speaker for the Dead, Xenocide, Children of the Mind. There you go. But then yeah. they do this thing where they add like Ender in Exile, which isn't as long as the other ones. And he does like, there's a whole bunch of short stories that there's like a book of short stories that's War of the Mind, which you find out that. Uh, Ender's parents have really just kind of been trying to have children that rule the world. Like, that's sort of their goal. They're not, like, totally glued to it, but they're like, we're super um, nerd in love with each other. And one of the <laughs> reasons why we're nerd in love with each other is we both have our own religions and both want strong children. Weird. Yeah, I remember Ender's brother was in the program. So the he other... was all jealous once, Ender. Yeah, dude, he's a fucking psychopath. He's like yeah. Kill Squirrels level psychopath <laughs> but he if you go by his because the shadow of ender series which is i think seven books long which 
if you want to listen to a fucking sort of military ops book <laughs> is excellent. Like it's I personally love it a lot. Um there's a super it's basically what they did with all the kids in battle school when they got back to Earth. Yeah. And Ender's brother decided he wanted to rule the world comes to fruition. Mm. And like you kinda of, but I think in the end of Ender's game, they tell you about the Hive Queen and the Hegemon book. Like okay. going out through the universe. I'm surprised they haven't made an Ender's game video game and just gone super meta on it. Um so it would be so hard to please everybody with that. <laughs> yeah, but then they'd also like forget about it in a couple of years and then we'd all laugh about it in no, ten years. Because the game <laughs> in Ender's game so there's a video game in Ender's Game that is the thing they use to psychologically profile him the whole fucking time. Right, yeah. On top of the normal, the war games that he does, that yeah. psychological profile becomes an AI that is in charge of all of his finances while he's going through relativistic time travel and yeah. ends up being the thing that allows him to talk. There's going to be a bunch of spoilers. Uh <laughs> to talk to the last hive queen because the AI has like a weird interdimensional lattice in its thinking and was sort of built by the hive queens in the first place. I could spoil so much more. <laughs> I just, I think it would still be a perfectly suited video game, right? It would just be, it'd be almost like a Hogwarts legacy or something where it's like, Oh, you're this kid out of school, right? You have these little things where you're maybe going around the school then you have like the training sequences, you know, then the space flight, space battle stuff. Yeah, I think you're forgetting how young everybody is in battle school. Well, they, do, they do that all the time. There's a whole game. Bully, you know, it's like. Yeah, bully was almost banned like everywhere. And you're kind of a good guy bully and you don't murder another kid. Okay, fine. Shit on my Ender's Game video Well, I game. think it'd be a fun game, but I think that everybody would get mad at it. Like well, that's everyone what, gets mad at everything, but yeah, yeah, like, definitely, I, especially Ender's game. I could see it; the nerds would be out, but I think it'd make for a good game. I think that if they made an Ender's game game and then like put Mario on it, <laughs> it would be fine because like the yeah. actual actions of Battle School would be fun to do, or like a slightly off brand. I feel like Mario would be a little too big. You get like a serious Sam in there or something, or Can like you get. Uh, I do. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> remembering what serious sam looks like <laughs> he's basically duke nukem okay yeah all right cool <laughs> generic duke nukem yeah juke nukem yeah all right that successfully derailed everything i was saying about <laughs> ender's game duke nukem derails everything it's... i've always loved duke nukem did you play duke nukem forever i think i only played um duke nukem in Bayland. Okay, was and that the PlayStation one? I think that was the 64 one, but I... Okay. And I know I played a Duke Nukem on a computer, yeah. but I don't know which Duke Nukem that was. Probably the OG, I would guess. Yeah. Because it, it looked more like Doom. Yeah, because that was literally... So I got that Doom and uh, the first Wolfenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. All on the same game pack. Man, I miss game packs where they were just like nine ninety nine to twelve dollars. Here's three games that we can't sell anymore individually because they're unfeasible to sell individual discs. They're kind of coming back a little bit. I feel like there's a handful of Switch ones. Well, we're gonna be getting like 
just based on how technology is going, we're phasing out physical video games entirely. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be pretty upset about that. I feel like this generation, you know, I like to collect video games, physical uh, versions of them. And I feel like this generation, it's not even worth it really anymore because everything now is just like updates and DLC. So it's like in 20 years, if you put the disc in your system and it can't update and the game is broken, then like you don't have anything. So yeah. even buy the disc. I've been thinking that it'd be nice if there would be a company that would set off set up like an entirely um closed system ecosystem that's like yeah all we do is provide service for when you need updates all products through us are designed to be used offline and run by themselves autonomously yeah and then make fucking deals with video game companies where they strip away all their dumb key shit if you have a subscription with them yeah it is a super weird it's not weird. System Dude, that's if been you were created. a fucking, if you're on the side of that making money, you're like, I have a leash on every fucking buddy's pocket. Like, I love this shit. It's the best. Yeah. The thing that's really unfortunate about video games, and I still get it from a capitalism perspective, but it's like you put all these anti cheat measures or anti crack measures, whatever, to protect your product. And cool, you should do that. And you have the right to do that. But then once your product is like 20 years old and you're not even selling it or um, like there is a community solution out there that works and is known and everything just gets shut down and like refuse to be like worked with or implemented. I think that sucks. And it's like they should just set that kind of stuff free. Yeah, but that's what copyright is. That's why our we we kind of got fucked on how copyright law got worked because <laughs> we're the people where copyright became is is now almost essential to run any form of media anything and none of yeah. us got to vote on how it was implemented <laughs> um so now like you have copyright 25 years past death of original creator on shit and it's like okay cool things don't move that slow anymore yeah but yeah, because I do agree that all they're doing is holding out for somebody to buy the IP of that fucking game. So they can be like, all right, we'll hand this over to you. Everything is still sealed and all of the legal precedents are still on uh, what you call it when they attack. Contended. Okay. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, and they get to do that for 25 years, which I think abandoned IP should be a thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, not even, it's like, okay, if there's some Mario game from 20 years ago and like Nintendo never made any profits, so they never cared about it, never maintained it. And all of a sudden, like, someone's like, oh, we love Mario teaches typing or something. It's like, okay, you obviously still have the right to be like, we'll put it back out on the market. If you want us to like upgrade this so you can run it on a modern computer we'll like pay for that cost but we're gonna sell you the product again i don't think they should cool. pay for the cost i think they should not stop you from stealing it because <laughs> well, i just thought of a perfect way to do that is set up like a squatter's rights law where if you like crack it and get it running and have it open to the public and do all of that shit yourself like and no one fucks with it for a certain amount of time that's just your game now 
Like no, you that just get is, to fucking actually run it. That is exactly my point. Yeah, right? but so it's they're like, not. They can't put any cost into that though, because no, then I'm that saying, is their product. You have to do that on your own and like host everything yourself and do all of the like. You just take your copy of it and crack it and copy it and disseminate it yourself. Yes. Like that, I can see being a thing. Them we putting any s- cost into it, they will not fucking. Because then that that is their product, like yes. legally. We are saying the same thing, so we'll leave it there. <laughs> you did say they should pay for the cost. No, what I'm saying is, if interest is generated after a long time of a product being dead, and a company comes back and then says, "Now we're going to start charging you for this," and then someone says, "Well, the thing that you had is actually broken." It's like they can put cost into that and charge for it again, or they can leave it as the dead product that it is and allow the community solution to be implemented. Gotcha. I think that they should just, if they haven't been working on it for, let's say, six years. Yeah. And somebody just goes and has like it running properly and has been running that for like, we'll say like a year. (laughs) <laughs> which might seem short to a lot of people, which is that's a fucking long time to try and maintain a server for a video game as an independent person. Right. Like, and no one's it say it gets a bunch of steam and shit. The company cannot come up to you and be like, hey, man, you owe us a bunch of money. <laughs> also, you have to shut this down and we're going to start selling it like that. You should be able to be like, no, but legally I have squatters rights on this shit. I got it up and running and it started to make money. So now you guys can take it over if you want, but you have to pay me because I'm the one who brought the restorative property to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can just let the community run it, which I think they'd be a lot more willing to do and then buy that off of you later. And then there'll be an entire generation of people who do that. (laughs) <laughs> and they'll figure out a way to legally block doing that. If you aren't against riding with this team, then don't cross that limbo line. Otherwise, saddle up, trot on over, and tell me what's on your mind. Well, come on now. Any takers? For employee of the month, I think I'd like to give this a try. Um, all right, I'll, I mean, I'll go first. Uh, okay, wow. It's a little bit lower than I would have imagined. Okay, um, let me just get a little number here, all right? Good thing I did my yoga yesterday. And now I'm going under, under, come on, come on, Brenda. Here we go. Right. 
playoffs are about to start the national blowers <laughs> i mean i'm sure they blow at, at some points if they you know maybe they do they have to blow or... well, i was gonna say do they have to <laughs> blow before games for uh blood alcohol <laughs> yeah they're all required to that wouldn't surprise me if like just <clears throat> right before that little jog they do out <laughs> they've got one of those bar put your own straw in and pay two dollars to see if you're wasted things <laughs> there's no penalty they just want to know so they can put it in like oh, the graphic. drunk basketball league would be funny but they <laughs> they would never let professionals fucking just beat the shit out of each other like that <laughs> you know there was a player great player like great character but good player as well ron artest you may have heard of him i mean i've heard of all of these people they're on tv <laughs> he claimed that he would like drink hennessy at halftime of basketball games. Oh, that's cool. That's how do you not get fired for that <laughs> shit? Yeah, if you're good enough, you know, winning cures everything, as as they say in sports. That's not true. I've won a <laughs> couple things, and it hasn't cured anything. Like I still got rickety ass knees and shit. Like no, but my cancer. I mean, like what do you mean? <laughs> you said it would cure everything. <laughs> I just rubbed this trophy. Oh my god, just going to a thrift store and buying all of the Little League trophies and grinding (laughs) them up into a powder and just like, 
applying that to your wounds. <laughs> All this winning, I'm going to be healthy forever. Uh, but what if it worked? That's like grinding up lucky things and just sprinkling it all over your house. Like, no, this <laughs> whole place is made out of uh, shoe horses, but I ground them up so that the the luck didn't spill out <laughs> and it spilled into the grindings. Horseshoes. You confused me there for a second. You said shoe horses. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Those are, unfortunately, two things. Yeah. But yeah, the NBA playoffs. Currently, they're going through the play-in. So basically, eight teams play from the West, eight teams play from the East, but those final two spots are decided by a little mini-tournament they have first. So the seventh seed and the eighth seed from each conference um, are decided by the play-in tournament. There's actually the end of the play-in tournament is tonight, and then they're going to start with the regular playoffs. Dude, you're going to confuse so many people. <laughs> that part this comes though, out in two weeks. <laughs> that part is not important. And like, what I want to talk to you about is distractions. Because yeah. there was one of the all-time great distractions, maybe just in general, but definitely in sports, happened. Uh, two nights ago, and it was by D.R. DeRozan, the daughter of DeMar DeRozan. That's fucking, that's a rap lyric. Those aren't <laughs> people's names, man. I know. I, I knew I would be saying that, and I was looking forward to it. Oh, and I want to say it again. D.R. DeRozan, the daughter of DeMar DeRozan. Do you know it's real fun? <laughs> My parents trying to say their kids' fucking names all in a row. It doesn't, <laughs> it does not fucking work like 83% of the time. It's yeah. just k- 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 and like, <laughs> nope, got all of us wrong. It just sounds like a stuttering issue. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I have no idea why they didn't just straight call us by our middle names because our middle names aren't normal either, but they also don't have the same like cadence and uh, I guess first word letter sounds. What is it? <laughs> what is the sound of a noise or a letter called? Pronunciation. Um. I think it's more enunciation, but I guess it's a little mix of the two. I'm not sure. The and there's, we just sound. don't have a word for that in words. Well, I know, like, like a harsh sound is cacophony, right? Like, yeah, so not an all. English word for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, I do have a cacophonous stutter about me. <laughs> if you tried to say all your family's names, too, because it's just like, yeah, I literally wouldn't. I would just be like, hey, you guys, <laughs> shut up. Uh, you're distracting me, though. But <laughs> I know, I'm excellent at basketball. <laughs> DR DeRozan, the daughter of DeMar DeRozan, uh, was present for this game that was between the Toronto Raptors and the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan currently plays for the Chicago Bulls, but he was a longtime Raptor. Honestly, one of the greatest raptor. Like bird or dinosaur? <laughs> uh, dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so the Toronto Raptors joined the NBA in the mid to late 90s. I don't know the exact year. If I had to guess, I'd say. What was like, it when Jurassic Park came out? It was shortly after that. Okay. It was like 95, 97. Right in that dino maybe. popularity. Yeah. Two Canadian teams joined the league, the Vancouver Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors. The Vancouver Grizzlies has, have since moved to Memphis. They are the Memphis Grizzlies now. Oh, good for Memphis. <laughs> Toronto Raptors, still the Raptors. They 
they still have uh, dino themed imagery too, but their original logo was like a little cartoon raptor. Yeah, I think I know the the look of that raptor. Yeah, very popular jersey. Um, they still wear them sometimes. It's like a throwback jersey. Very 90s. So this game between the Toronto Raptors, Chicago Bulls, DeRozan now plays for the Bulls, used to play for the Raptors, one of the all-time great Raptors. They've only been around since the 90s. Dude, I can't. You know, so. It's going to make me laugh this whole fucking time <laughs> that you're just talking about Raptors like it's some normal-ass fucking shit. Versus Bulls. <laughs> so this game uh, took place in Toronto. Right, so basically this is like DeMar DeRozan coming back to his old town, his old team. Now he plays for the opposition, but it's a little bit of like a weird homecoming. They love him still in Toronto. Like He's a beloved player there. Uh, he brings his daughter. So this game, basically, uh, if the Bulls win it, they, whoever wins this game stays alive. Whoever doesn't, like if you lose the game, you're out. You're gotcha. eliminated. Um, so the Raptors are actually up in this game quite a bit. I think their largest lead was 19 points. You know, the Bulls are fouling, uh, about an average amount. The, the Raptors end up taking 36 free throws, which is like not crazy low or high. I was going to say that sounds high to me, but every time I think about basketball, anything, <laughs> I have football numbers in my head which are confusing. Mm. So it's either really low or really high, depending on how you uh, feel about your time of day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basketball numbers next to football numbers generally look really high. Uh, but yeah, it's, it can all vary, obviously. But so what DR DeRozan does every time that the Toronto Raptors go to the line is just scream bloody murder. Hmm. Like, imagine a young girl just shrieking as hard as she can at the top of her lungs. Yeah, I've worked in a restaurant. Uh, sometimes alarming. Like, if you're working in the back and the fire alarm goes off, no one changes even attitude. But if, like, a little girl were to scream in a kitchen, everybody would be like, what the fuck is that? Who <laughs> let a fucking kid in the fucking kitchen and who stepped on it? Like... Yeah. So uh like I said the the Raptors took 36 total free throws in this game. They ended up missing 18. So she had about a 50% effective rate. So is that a right to work state? <laughs> um I'm not sure. I'm not if familiar it is, with she Canadian. can demand wages. There you go. Um DeMar DeRozan in the press conference did say I should pay her. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, you should. And percentage per game, that's probably a decent startage for a college fund. Yeah. He also mentioned um, that she was supposed to be in school, but she actually begged her dad to go to the game. I he mean, allowed her. Yeah. I agree with you being able to just have like, we're not going to school today <laughs> deal. Like, I don't think that the only way your kid should have to get out of going to school is to feign illness. Yeah. You should be able to take personal days as children. Like, yeah. if you walk up to your dad and you're like, dude, fucking Simone fucking caught me <laughs> picking my nose yesterday, and I really just need, like, a day separation so that, like, the heat dies down or some shit. 
Like, your parents should be able to be like, yeah, dude, you know that shit going on where my kid hasn't figured out to stop fucking picking his goddamn nose? Yeah, Simone saw that shit and is picking <laughs> on him, so he's just not going to come in this Thursday. We're going to go to, like, a movie or some shit. Don't yeah. call the cops, because that's apparently something that happens if you just try and take your kids to the movies sometimes. Right. Well, I guess she... So the Bulls need to win one more game to make the playoffs. It's it's happening tonight. Uh, and DR has requested again to come to the game. But Tamar DeRozan has said that she is going to be in school. So she's, as yeah, far right. as we know, she's supposed to miss the game tonight, which I think is a mistake. Well, or he's running some fucking numbers. That's true. Like, yeah, maybe he's like, he's fuck, man. <laughs> I bet against us. Yeah, they interview him before the game, and he's like, sorry, guys, she just, oh, wait, no, huh. I'm messing with you, and she, like, runs out in a blaze of glory. Well, I think it'd be, or is <laughs> just clinging to his back, and he turns around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but shout out to DR DeRozan. Um, they did also try to kick her out of the game. Yeah, no, I can imagine that there would be a lot of people that are really, really, really <laughs> mad at that girl, and all of them who bet money. That's but, exactly why I was like, man, there's probably some crazy mob boss like just pissed at a little girl right now. Yeah, but here's why I think it's so funny and so genius and why I set it up a little bit for you. You can't kick out the daughter of the legend of your franchise, right? I mean, you can. <laughs> but it'd be such a bad look. To some degree, it depends on how much you would make on gambling versus how <laughs> like upset that guy would be. It wouldn't surprise me if they, because this is like the second like, distraction from basically the crowd that we've talked about on this show. <laughs> well, the other one, what was the first one? I think it was the some eclipse. People, are we talking about? Because yeah, I have brought up basketball distractions. I think it was during the eclipse, but I think okay. it was one of the examples of other things that happened. Oh, and probably was, the chick that was talking to LeBron or whatever. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but I'm, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if, like, very shortly coming, they made, like, a rule of <laughs> the people in the front have to be under, like, behavior, and now we have a screen for the first three, like, rows that's just a one-way, so you can still see out, but they can't see in. Yeah. Well, so... Because I'm always surprised about that shit on hockey. Where they're like, no, you can press your fucking ass cheeks against this shit. You can make <laughs> yeah. them as mad as you want using this piece of plexiglass. Exactly. It made me look for other sports distractions. Like, I know there's, you know, been a, a lot of great ones. It seems like a lot of them are basketball, specifically free throws and college basketball. Uh, there's a very famous example and a hilarious example that actually started here at ASU. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the Curtain of Distraction. That sounds, um, <laughs> was it, very Cold War era? Well, so what they do, and this started with the ASU college basketball team, when the opponent is taking free throws, and this only happens for one half, right? Because there's a student section on one side, and then uh, the teams switch the basket that they shoot on. Yeah. So for one half, they're shooting towards a crowd that is the student section of that school. Yeah. But so what ASU did was they set up like a whole curtain system, right? They run it out like as the team goes up to shoot. 
And then they set up a little scene behind the curtain. And then as that team starts shooting, they open the curtain and like just do something wild yeah. to distract them. I have a way better idea. <laughs> Pull that curtain out. And while they're not looking, put out a bunch of full-sized mirrors with no edges. So that when you take it down, that entire side is just a mirror of also basketball players. <laughs> like trying to fucking pass to the one of three of you. So you're, you're saying not during free throws, but you would just do it like, during the game. <laughs> no, like right when they start, like say they were throwing from out of bounds. Okay. So passing in. Yeah. Then you just run that fucking curtain out and have whoever you want put their mirror forward. <laughs> so there's just a chance that when you rip that curtain back, you're looking at yourself and or a reflection of somebody else that's behind. And you're like, oh, fuck, there's another guy right there. Because you're trained to look for them. <laughs> that'll fuck you up real good if you're like i just saw me in my court what who is that guy over there so the uh the curtain of distraction has been in use since 2013 it did briefly stop yeah uh, I would the have, pandemic i would imagine that that would be illegal immediately it's not they haven't made any rules against it um it's it's been a thing for a long time. There's like a lot of famous clips of people doing funny things. Like in the '90s, there was like a dude in a speedo at like a Duke game that made a guy miss or whatever. I'm surprised that they haven't made a rule against it. But so this curtain of distraction has been going on for approximately ten years now, since 2013 till now, and there's been some analytics done on it, and it has been found to give approximately a one to three point advantage to the mm. team using it indeed so that's <laughs> another thing if those guys show up to a right to work state fucking demand wages <laughs> i'm curious so the tradition or the whole whatever started with just like a student group that was tasked with bringing more people to the game they were having low attendance. is this the fucking tree people too this, this reeks <laughs> of the fucking tree people Kind of the same deal, yeah, like with the Stanford tree and how is, they made the mask. Is that just how everything works at college? There's like, and a small group of college jackasses dressed as something, and now the world has given them more things. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, much. That's that's the whole intern deal, too. That's not how interns <laughs> They're like, let's work. get these college kids to do this weird shit for free. <laughs> I think you. there's a lot of laws now where you have to pay interns. Yeah, there are paid ones and unpaid. No, but I know that in the last few, I think probably like five to seven years, they've cracked down a bit on uh, being able to straight up enslave your interns. <laughs> Apparently, it's like just straight up in the uh, entertainment industry. Like, there's pretty much nothing they can do. Like, your interns are all just slaves because there's no actual job description. Um, there have also been... I mean, the, the curtain of distraction really has gained traction especially in its early years but there have been celebrity guests also who have made appearances in the curtain of distraction see how is that not like you gotta couple this with ai <laughs> and get like a curtain of distraction that's completely tailored to like the ability to starstruck the actual players Oh, yeah, so you so know, you just, you're you like, this guy is really into BTS. Yeah. And then it's like, they pull it back. I think at just... this point in time, if you pull <laughs> BTS into anything, the opposite <laughs> side will just be a bunch of, like, teen girls that crowd the 
Like, what I'm saying is you would get trampled to death by children. Literal chick magnets. Oh, gross. <laughs> I immediately went to small chickens being violently pulled into a steel rod. <laughs> Some of the celebrities that have appeared in the curtain. Uh, I'd say the biggest one, and this one was on ESPN, was Michael Phelps. I thought you were going to say fucking Bill Clinton for some reason. <laughs> Bill Clinton in a Speedo playing the sax. That's gross. That is, like, our whole life that we've known of Bill Clinton, <laughs> that guy has had my dad's body, which is not good to see in a Speedo, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know mo- too much about Bill Clinton either, but... He does have just a hilarious image in my mind. And he's got to be pasty. Like, that guy's not tanning. Oh, yeah, no way. There's no president, I'd say, with even a little bit of a tan, besides the obvious one, Obama. Yeah, the spray tan. <laughs> well, yeah, and the spray tan. But um, Oh, yeah, so some of the celebrities that have appeared, I told you Michael Phelps, but also uh, YG, the rapper, Charlie Day. Oh, comedian. <laughs> um, Brody Stevens, R.I.P. Brody Stevens. You know Brody Stevens? He was in um, Hangover. Uh, which one is he? He is the cop that when they f- like first, I forget the circumstance, but they're like at the police station. He's a stand-up. He, I think he's more known for stand-up, but that was like one of the movie roles he landed. Yeah, I and blanking because i'm one of the few people who saw the hangover and was like that was a bad movie <laughs> but i i think i have since seen the hangover and decided it's still a bad movie but there are funny parts in it <laughs> he went to asu um he's a comedian that's also a sports guy so made sense for him to be there <laughs> gotcha um but so, yeah, I looked at these sports distractions. It led me to look a little bit more into distractions in general. this a couple of interesting studies is um, one of them on how many items you actually register in your eyes while driving it like per second um no and there were no numbers provided directly for that but that is absolutely the concept of both of these yeah so there is that number yeah and it is i believe it fucking i think it's like fucking three thousand something per second is like clocked items that you're like yeah when you're paying attention to shit you're paying attention to more shit than you fucking think you're paying attention to. Yeah. Uh, well, that was kind of the aim of both of these studies and to measure distraction. And kind of, I found the results interesting. So let's see, I'll tell you about this one. It, w- it, is, um, it was published in Science 330 in November of 2010. It's by Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert. This was kind of one of the first studies on distraction that had a new data set, right? Because if you ask people, like, 
how do you feel right now? Are you distracted? Does that make you happy or unhappy? Uh, obviously, you have to collect that data somehow. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to do. And like you asking them is also a literal distraction. So how yeah. do you collect that? Right. So 2010, obviously, we have this great new tool, the smartphone. We have all this Internet connectivity. So it kind of it was like a little bit of a research breakthrough in the sense of like somebody can just report all that stuff for you yeah, and you don't have to actually be there like kind of skewing your results. That's funny. Have you heard of like the delayed, re- like how they tested kids to see if they had um, delayed gratification, like ability in their head? I've not seen that one. It's a distractive uh, experiment where basically they're, they're like, hey, don't eat this type situation. Yeah. But they have different kinds of conversations with them first. Okay. And then they're like, don't eat this and leave the room. Right. And the conversations that were like, Oh, less, I think I have seen. Yeah. This and like, cause they were filming them the whole time. It was like, right. The like more distracting and like inward thinking the kid was based on the conversation that happens lowered their ability to resist fucking with the cookie. Right. And it was like kids. But then again, the kids who like fidgeted, or were like good at keeping themselves distracted, did better at not eating the cookie when they were left alone. Okay. So I was like, you can drain people of their ability to concentrate, apparently, <laughs> and they can try and combat that by uh, flipping a pen. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's kind of the end result of these studies as well. But so this Killingsworth and Gilbert study. Man, we don't have any more fucking Killingsworths. <laughs> I thought one of the main points in their abstract really stuck out to me, and it's interesting. This is the statement. The ability to think about what is not happening is a cognitive achievement that comes at an emotional cost. So what they were studying was happiness as it related to distractedness, I guess is the word. And what they found is just overall, our minds are wandering about 47% of the time. I, you can bump that up so much higher with me, like 83, <laughs> man. Okay, so that I'm going to get to that. There's like another study about how that number is increasing and increasing. Well, can you imagine what it'd be like if there was a light on your head that actually told you whether or not somebody was fucking paying attention to what you were saying? <laughs> that would be insane. Everybody at the grocery store would be devastated. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't even register that you've seen a person like yeah yeah that happens you're all in my way between me and an oreo um so basically so they measured that right it's like our minds are wandering 47 percent of the time it's called stimulus independent thought so that's like it's any it's like you know having preparing in your mind some imaginary fight you're going to have with a coworker or something like that counts. I try not to do that. I try and have <laughs> well, different imaginary conversations in my head. Right. But Mine are usually like yeah, how did you talk before language existed and then I make a bunch of noises back and forth in my head that are attached <laughs> to facial gestures that don't actually happen in my head but I know what they look like in my head. Either that or I'll talk to like fucking abraham lincoln about some shit (laughs) and so they've i their hypothesis was a little bit opposite than what they found basically in the end what they found is 
happiness is related less to what you are doing and more your state of being or essentially your ability to be present yeah you're gonna get real mad at like all of the (laughs) mindfulness people being right are you (laughs) so they found that like your activity the activities that you're doing accounts for about 4.6 percent of your happiness uh, but feeling present is about 10.8% of your total happiness. I feel like, so there should be, like, the Alan Watts, uh, like, reflection on happiness, like, famous quote thing that's going on, and this study read, like, phasing in and out, where they match up. <laughs> yeah. The activities that you're doing accounts for about 4.6% of your happiness. That would be within the infinite multiplicity of choices you would have. 4.6% of your happiness. Multiplicity of choices you would have. Uh, But feeling present is about 10.8% of your total happiness. You would dream the dream of living the life that you are actually living today. Feeling present. Feeling present. 10.8%. Happiness is related less to what you are doing. Being the self. Being the self. And more your ability to be present. Being the self. The deep, down, basic, whatever there is. The ability to think about what is not happening is a cognitive achievement that comes at an emotional cost. And you're all that. Because, yeah, basically all this is, like, if you want to be happy, be mindful about how you think of things. Yeah. Well, they also found that um, thinking, so, like, when that stimulus-independent thought happens, it didn't matter if it was positive or negative. That really had little effect on your happiness. It was just the ability to stay present that affected happiness like more than anything that's ridiculous also they pointed this out almost immediately in the abstract um one of the only activities where people could completely maintain the sense of feeling present was making love um so yeah that those were two harvard psychologists did that in 2010 um that led me to a couple other studies I got a couple more stats for you. This one, first off, I love the name of this group and their finding. Uh, They are called the Information Overload Research Group. They're a nonprofit consortium of business professionals, researchers, and consultants. No, that sounds like garbage. (laughs) You had me until you said researchers and consultants. (laughs) Well, they reported... Um, that workers in the U.S. waste 25% of their time dealing with huge data streams. Yeah, in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Definitely in the kitchen, too. I don't um, deal with any data streams in the kitchen. That is upstream from me. Well, do you get like receipt or like orders to cook, right? Yes. So that's a data stream. Yeah, but that's not confusing. That is like the most streamlined shit ever because I will rip you a new asshole if you don't learn how to write a ticket (laughs) well there you go you're not part of this stat then Um, that's what i'm saying like 25 (laughs) percent of the people who have this as a thing 
Well, because uh, my manager and or kitchen chef and or front of house definitely has to because that's ordering shit. When the actual confusion comes into the data stream is the distribution line. Right. Not the execution of the food. Unless you're talking yeah. about when some fucking asshole comes in and says, I need all this shit on the fly, and they don't know what on the fly means. So you cut <laughs> off all your orders, and you make some dumb shit, and you find out that they've literally just been saying on the fly after all of their orders because they don't know that it means something, and they <laughs> fucked up your entire day, and now you have an entire pissed off fucking dining room. They don't know what it means, and all of a sudden, Jeff Goldblum is there, and you're serving sushi Dude, off if, of his back. If Jeff Goldblum <laughs> shows up, everything's fine. That's true. I like if there was if somebody <laughs> got real, real mad at me and took like a butter knife to me because they thought their steak was done wrong, and Jeff Goldblum walked in, I'd be like, everything's gonna be fine. He's gonna go over here and just be like, now wait, guys. And give us some explanation of how life should be, and Jeff Goldblum us the fuck out of that situation. <laughs> so, anyways, that yeah, U.S. workers are wasting twenty five percent of their time dealing with huge data streams, and that costs the economy almost a trillion dollars. I mean, compared to what annually? So nine hundred ninety seven billion. Um, that's just excess overhead. You know, so all of so those compared distractions. to what they would like. What do you mean? Like, so there, it cost them this billion dollars. Mm-hmm. What? What compared to what? Like the year before, or yeah, I don't know how or they just their projected. Because this is something that I've been getting real confused on a lot. Is a lot of people report loss on projected gain, and I'm like, that's you can't do that. If I had to take a guess, I would assume that um, there was some like overtime that they captured and then you know calculated this figure. But yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. But I also saw this other study. This was done by a psychologist at Cal State University, Larry Rosen. Um, this was also done around the time of. You know, smartphones, more mobile devices being present. Uh, And they were basically trying to measure the effects of that. Like, is that, are these devices in particular, you know, causing people to be more distracted? Yeah, I think I actually know this study. Yeah. What was kind of interesting to me is no, it's not the device, but yes. Whether or not you're prone to being distracted and then having a thing that distracts you. Yeah, that and um, just there's a general trend of people being more distracted. It's not necessarily the device. It's not necessarily the internet in itself. If anything, they kind of pointed to like ad influence and things like that. Like, Yeah, training every human being to have an attention span that is fucking three minutes long max. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they started this study in 2008. And then they, you know, replicated it and collected more data in 2014. And I I think this is an ongoing study, but that's the latest data that I saw. Um, So they separated them into three age groups, baby boomers, Generation X, and millennials. And they actually did add on, I guess now they'd be called Gen Z. In this, they're calling them 
uh, the I generation. Ha, I told you that that was a real thing. I love it when I get weird validation from strange places. Yeah. I definitely remember hearing that in the past, too. But yeah. Yeah, but it's just nice to know that, like, have 100% crystal clear some shit that I heard. For like, sure. last time yeah. I even talked about that, it was, like, several years before that, that it had been old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when they did this study in 2008, Okay, so I'll tell you a little about little bit about what it is first, actually. And, you know, this is much more detailed than this, um, but the general idea of it was a series of questions. And the questions were, like I said, just basically doing two things at once. Um, so an example would be like, do you go online and text at the same time? Do you email and eat? Like, I wouldn't email and eat, but I do. <laughs> if I'm watching TV, I eat. That's when I designate watching TV. Yeah, and and that's why I say there's more complexity to it. But the general idea is like, I guess things that we, I wouldn't even think about yeah. really too much anymore. It's like, well, yeah, of course, when I eat, I, I'm either looking at my phone or like watching a show. Yeah, this, or... this seems a little like the, do you know the number one? Where um, they were like trying to figure out the how many how much you can hold in your head at once. It's why our phone numbers are seven numbers. Because mm. basically they were like, that's about what you can do. I've seen some things like that, for sure. Uh, but in 2008, so here are the numbers. Baby boomers, 59%. Uh, Gen X, 67%. Millennials, 75%. And then in 2014... Baby boomers, 67, so 8% higher. Gen X, 3% higher. And then millennials, 81%, 6% higher. So a pretty significant and almost kind of consistent increase, of, like in each of those age groups. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how much of the other study they've done on that younger age group and whether or not we're actually getting better at multitasking tiny <laughs> microtransactions. Yeah. Because, like, I would definitely say I've seen some Gen Z kids that can be on their phone and do whatever the fuck else they're doing just fine. Right. Oh, and I... I do want to add this little last data plot too. So then the Gen Z uh, was all the way up to 87%. So out of their total activities, 87% of them are paired activities. Yes, but that's so, exactly what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. are we getting more distracted or are we getting better at multitasking microtransactions? Right. Which would be another ad thing where they're just kind of training us to be like, no, you can do four really small things at once. <laughs> and then you are emotionally exhausted for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, to circle back around. So, you know, I just went on this distraction tangent. It started with sports and I kind of delved into this psychological aspect. But I think if the Toronto Raptors wanted to successfully battle, the shrieks of D.R. DeRozan, I think what they needed was, in fact, another distraction. Well, so just give her candy? Well, okay, so Be good like, point. Here's some cotton candy. <laughs> we gave you the biggest cotton candy they can make. <laughs> what I was proposing, uh, is a more direct route, is actually distracting the free throw player, but in a positive way. 
so that he couldn't see the negative distraction of DR's, like, shrieking. But that distraction would still be a distraction. But if you first create some positive reinforcement, right? So let's say, like, the distraction is like, oh, candy bar over here. And if you first condition yourself, like, every time I'm shooting free throws, I'm seeing candy bars, then you just need that distraction. Even a curtain of distraction to where just, like, Snickers pop up or something, and you would just never hear DR. That is not how my (laughs) attention span works at all. If you put something in the corner of my eye while I'm concentrated, I'm going to either completely ignore it or get really mad at you and be like, what the fuck, man? I'm concentrating. What the fuck you fucking with me? Look, man, I just want to live in a world of chaos. I, you no, you're do. Right. Congratulations, just... <laughs> you do. Uh, you get entropy and chaos all rolled up into one nice little thermodynamic package. It's good. Nice. Well, now that you've told me that, I actually feel a lot more relaxed. That's good. I mean, <laughs> all you have to do is tell me. Speaking <laughs> of Jeff Goldblum, like he does a chaos theory explanation in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was a good scene. Yeah, I don't know if it does a real good job on describing chaos theory, but one very specific aspect of chaos theory, maybe. Oh, well, so he goes, it's kind of the end result of the washing machine experiment, Um, but you drop some water in one spot and it's going to go different directions every time. Like, it's not even accurate because the viscosity of the water is actually more likely for it to go down a different fucking route. It's a movie shit (laughs) that if you stare at, you're like, this is wrong, but you mean well. (laughs) Yeah. You want to do some plugs? Um, yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Jane Fritz. That's J A I N underscore Fritz. Um, I'm. I think I'm going to be putting up some polls soon on some color palettes for some stuff. So please participate on that so I know if I am making people blind. <laughs> um, and then is our fucking thing UPP underscore playa? That's right. At yep. Twitch. On Twitch. That's where you can find us. UPP underscore playa. Tuesdays. And it's usually a mix of me cringing at somebody getting beat up and then like some small political quips. Yeah, that's right. Right now we are playing The Last of Us Part 2. Yeah, and if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at VRFrittatas. That's all I got. Got anything else you want to say? Um, no. <laughs> all right. Well, um, then that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> They'll fucking run real hard past the tree and be holding on to the baby leash and do like a fucking snapback move and I'll be fine. Yeah. Like I've got you exactly where I want you. What's with all the shuffling of the penis?